0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome back to another Porsche Cool Podcast. It's a very sunny and very hot Friday afternoon. Actually, not Friday afternoon. Almost afternoon. It's 11.30 in the morning here. Uh, Friday morning in sunny Bahrain. That's where I am. I'm in Bahrain. Bahrain is in the Middle East, if you don't know. Uh, It's part of the GCC. It's part of the Gulf states. Um, So coming coming to you from Bahrain, uh, I should introduce myself for those of you who don't know already. My name is Michael Bath, and this is the Porsche Cool Podcast. Basically, a podcast where we chat about all things Porsche. Uh, this uh, podcast is an extension, as I always say, it's an extension from my or of my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is uh, simply Michael Bath. Uh, if you do a search, it'll come up uh, YouTube.com/slash Michael Bath. Uh, and this podcast you can hear on all the major podcast platforms. Um, it pretty much goes everywhere. When it's on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and, and Google and Spotify, uh, Apple pretty much pushes it everywhere. I've also added it to a few other uh, podcast... Um, I don't know what you call them. Do you call them suppliers or do you call them hosts? I think they're called... I, I call them podcast hosts. So it's pretty much everywhere. If you can't find me, which is going to be rare, just do a search in Google for Porsche Cooled, one word, podcast, and all the, uh, all the places will come up. Uh, Amazon Alexa, Google Music, like I said, Spotify, uh, Apple, uh, um, what's the other one? Podbean, um, many. There's many out there. You'll find me if you haven't found me already. Uh, I usually put this podcast up on my YouTube channel uh, either the same day or the day after, uh, I was doing. I was going to do two podcasts a week, um, and I keep saying this every episode. I have actually just gone back to one for now. Uh, when I manage to get some uh, guests on the podcast, which I'm in the process of trying to organize, when I get some guests on the podcast, uh, I may go to two episodes a week. But I think I'll keep it for one episode a week. It, it will probably stay being on Friday, I think. I think Friday is a good day because... Uh, This is not my full time job. And Friday is basically Saturday in the Middle East. This is the first day of the weekend. So it makes it easy for me, excuse me, it makes it easy for me to do the podcast uh, on a Friday, which is what I'm doing now. And also because of the coronavirus, everything seems to be getting back in check, uh, even though we're still on sort of lockdown here, but things are sort of getting back into order. Um, Not completely resolved, as we all know, but things are getting back in order. So what should we talk about today? Uh, I thought about this earlier this morning. Um, Usually I talk about either my 997 or I talk about other models. I think what I do today is I just have a little bit of a chat about what's been going on in the Porsche world. Uh, Porsche world, we should say. What's happening in the Porsche world and what's going on out there. I have to say I've been really enjoying uh, listening to and it surprises me to say it, but I have been enjoying listening to Spike's Car Radio uh, with Spike Furstein. Is it? Um, I wasn't a big fan of that podcast, and if you haven't listened to it, uh, take a listen because he is a, a Porsche enthusiast. Uh, he does own Porsches. Uh, he is also friends with Jerry Seinfeld, as he wrote on the jury on the on Seinfeld. Um, so he talks about Porsches quite a lot. He's got quite a lot of knowledge. And with uh, his co-host and friend uh, Zuckerman, I don't know his first name, Zuckerman. It comes together quite well, and it's quite quite entertaining and quite funny. Uh, I guess I I watched, I listened to it for the first time the other day because Andreas uh, Putinger was on the show, who is the head of the GT GT department of Porsche. As a lot of you know, I think he's been doing it for twenty years, around about. I think he started at Porsche. He was saying in the nineties, nine nine six GT three was the the first of it for him. So he's he's been he's head of the GT department. He's a very very knowledgeable uh, guy. Um, You should listen to that. Definitely listen to that podcast that he was on. And it's interesting. He talks about a couple of things, and the one that things stood out is is the lightweight bucket seats, which someone pointed out to me that I was talking about in my last podcast when I was talking about uh, the better... Which 991 991 models are the best? The top five 991 models, as I was discussing with you guys. And I said, you know, it has to have the lightweight bucket seats. And it's interesting, because he was saying that he thinks that the biggest mistake people make is that they don't spec the lightweight bucket seats. And the lightweight bucket seats... Uh, for one, a lighter. Uh, He says that they're a lot more comfortable than the the so-called comfort seats. He does like 13-hour drives in them and he says that getting out is the same as getting in. There's no pain. There's not sore. Yeah, but he basically said, if you're going to spec, what would you spec on a GT car? And he basically said, forget about removing the air conditioning, which some people do choose to do on the GT cars. It really makes no difference in, it makes so little difference in the weight. Uh, It causes you issues when it's uh, super hot, it causes you issues when it's super cold, Uh, your windscreen can fog up, etc, etc. He said the better thing to do is get the lightweight bucket seats, they're more comfortable than the comfort seats, and, you know, because they're carbon-backed, as we know, they look really, really good too. And, I mean, in a GT3 or a GT3 RS, I think you have to have them. Um, and he said some people, a lot of people still spec the comfort seats. And he said they're much better. Not only do they hold you in better, but they're more comfortable, they're lighter. And the weight you save on specking the lightweight bucket seats, forget about not having the air conditioning or not having the PCM because the weight on the seats is actually uh, greater, is greater. But it was an interesting podcast, you know, like they asked him what his favorite of all these cars, all the GT cars were. He said, can't choose. They're like children. They want to pick the, the favorite. He likes them all for different reasons, but I'm not going to give it all away. Uh, but have a listen; it's really, really good. Uh, it's a really good episode, and that's on Spike's Car Radio. It was, I think, two episodes ago, two or three episodes ago. Anyway, it comes up in the list of the first, first main episodes if you go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, but very interesting, interesting to hear from uh, the head of Porsche GT. Uh, I've watched videos from him before. Uh, a lot of you guys know who he is, but I thought it was uh, i thought it was a very good episode. So what else has happened in the world of Porsche this week? Uh, let's go back to Australia. Uh, Australia, as some of you know, is where I uh, come from. That's where my Porsche is stored. That's where I basically live for a long time. Uh, the last few years I've been living, well, I've been based in UK since 2013, and now I'm living in Bahrain, living and working in Bahrain for the next few years. But I always keep on top of Australian prices and Australian launches. The Taycan, Taycan, Taycan. Uh, the prices have now been launched in Australia. They've now been released by Porsche Australia. The configurator is also up in Australia. I think it's up in other markets as well. I think I read that in Hong Kong, etc. It actually has been launched too. I mean, maybe they they release it for this, for that region, and everyone gets the prices and the configurator. But the configurator wasn't available before for the Australian market. The Taycan prices in Australia, uh, the Taycan will debut in December 2020, this year. And it starts at 190000 Australian dollars. I'll let you guys do the conversion to US dollars, pounds, euro. It's 190000 uh, US dollars debut. So the price for that is obviously for the um, 4S. The 4S is, not, uh, is that price. What are the other prices? Let me just tell you guys. Yeah, so the Porsche Taycan uh, offered in Australia 191000 plus on-road costs. On-road costs in Australia add about another $10,000 to the value to the price. Uh, that's with no options, of course, and people will always get options on a Porsche. That's for the 4S. Uh, Matt Farah from The Smoking Tire, one of my other favorite podcasts, he drove the um, Turbo S Taycan, and he said it's just way too much power. He said, save yourself some money. Quite a lot of money and get the 4S. He thinks the 4S is the one to buy, and I think I agree with him. Uh, it's still really fast. The Taycan 4S. If you're going to go into electric, you know, and the Taycan is a great, uh, a great vehicle, a great second car in the garage for your, for your 911, whether it be an air cooled or a water cooled 911, etc. To have the Taycan as your second car, I think, is a great thing. Uh, keeping within the family, uh, new technology, super fast. Uh, The handling apparently is amazing from all the videos that I've watched. Like I said, Matt Farah from Smoking Tire raves about it. I mean, the 4S alone, uh, 0 to 100 kilometers, 0 to 60 miles an hour, four seconds flat. You know what I mean? Four seconds flat, uh, which is about 0.2 seconds faster than the equivalent uh, 911. But the 4S, I think, is a good one. Uh, The Taycan 4S is. Is uh, gives an output of, what is it, 320, 640 newton means of torque, uh, 365 kilometers of range, and top speed of 250 kilometers an hour. Um, but that's surprising on that. The prices in Australia, they go up quite a lot, quite high, actually, uh, the same as um, in other markets. The middle of the range one, the Taycan Turbo, uh, that goes up, you know, you get a big jump in power, and that goes up to 269,100 plus on road cost in Australia. Uh, but the 0 to 100 time jumps up a lot to 3.2 seconds. Uh, so it jumps up quite a lot from the 4S. Uh, f- uh, what else? What else? What else? 850 newton meters of torque, model range of 420 kilometers. And then the, the top of the range, the crowning glory, is the Taycan Turbo S, the, the Turbo S. The Turbo S gets it done in 2.8 seconds. Now, that is insane. And I think that's what he was saying. Do you really need to be that fast? Zero point, it's only, uh, where I read about it, it said it was 0.3 seconds off a Bugatti Chiron. 0.3 seconds off a Bugatti Chiron. Uh, so, you know, to get that fastest speed, you're going to have to pay a little bit more money, the fastest nought to 100, the fastest nought to 60, the Taycan, you'll have to pay $339,100 Australian dollars. What is it in the U.S.? Is it about 200,000 U.S., 250,000 U.S.? $339,000 plus on-road costs, you add another 10%. You're looking at $380,000 Australian dollars. Even if you get minimal options, you're looking at a $400,000 dollar On the road car. That is a lot of money for an electric car. You know, I think the general consensus with electric cars and especially with Teslas is the best way to get a Tesla if you are buying a Tesla is to lease it, is to get it on a three-year term and then give it back. Give it back like it was a mobile phone. Don't keep it for any longer. Uh, It is fit for a purpose. It's not a car you're going to keep forever. It's not like owning an old 911 or an old Ferrari. Uh, It is basically a car you hand back and you use it. And it's functional. It's high tech, uh, but it's not something you want to keep forever. So, would you want to spend four hundred thousand Australian dollars on an electric car, which I guess is going to depreciate quite heavily? But anyway, that's the um, that's the news from Australia on the Taycan that's been released. Also, with the release of the Taycan in other markets um, and the configurator becoming live in other markets, uh, Porsche has done their thing where it quietly changes things. Uh, the configurator originally had 10 color options in the 2020 configurator. The new configurator that's up in uh, the new markets is now 16 options for the color, which is obviously the 2021 configurator, so it's been upped. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any other spec changes except for the uh, new color options. So that's that's something that's been added anyway that someone picked up on Um uh, But that's with the new configurators and the new launches in the new markets for the end of the year. Back to our usual uh, naturally aspirated talk, the GT3, the new GT3, the 992 GT3. I saw some more spy shots of that. It's still undergoing testing. Uh, I guess in the next months ahead, we're going to start to see uh, more of it uncovered. I mean, we can pretty much get a good idea of it now. I spoke about this in a previous podcast. Uh, Let's see what happens with the rear wing. Let's see what happens with the pricing as well. It'll be interesting to see the price of this when it comes out. And like I said before, we know it's going to be in manual. We know it's going to be in manual and PDK. Uh, they're not going to just offer it in one. Uh, in the uh, podcast with Andreas Prudinger on uh, Spike's Car Radio, he did say the reason why they didn't have uh, manual transmission in the 991.1 GT3 was purely a cost exercise. He said the cost to develop it, um, they had to put their money, they had to make a choice and put their money into one option and they chose the PDK. He didn't say whether it was the wrong choice or the right choice, uh, but he said it was a choice that had to be made. It was a choice that had to be made purely on the cost of the research and development, so they developed the PDK instead of the manual for the 991.1 GT3. Of course, we all know that that changed with the 0.2, and they brought back the manual transmission, which is hailed as one of the best manual transmissions uh, in a 911. So what else is in new in Porsche news? So, more Porsche news. Um, Porsche has introduced a uh, track your dream app, uh, a track your dream app where you can basically watch your Porsche 911 being built uh, from wherever you are in the world. You can watch it. Um, it's a Porsche app, uh, an online portal, and it lets customers basically follow every step from assembly at Porsche's factory to shipment and delivery. Uh, the service is only available for custom ordered 911 models, but there are plans to add all-electric Taycan as well. Porsche said in a press in their press release. Uh, so you get a unique link once an order is placed. It basically opens up a web page and lets you uh, track your cars through 14 milestone events. These include order creation, freeze point for vehicle changes, production updates, departure from Germany, port entry, and dealership arrival. Uh, A countdown shows progress in miles and days. I'm not sure whether this is available in all countries. Oh, here you go. The Porsche Track Your Dream app is currently live for US customers, and a similar service called Behind the Scenes is available in Germany. Canada, Switzerland, Spain, and the United Kingdom. So UK and US customers in Europe are not available for Australian uh, orders, unfortunately. Um, but it was created by Porsche's digital arm. And I think it's a great idea, uh, getting your customers involved with the whole uh, journey, the whole the whole uh, process of buying a 911. And I think that's a great thing. And so that's what they're doing. Uh, basically, you can watch your Porsche, you can watch it being built remotely, and you can... See the countdown and, and get excited until it's delivered to your doorstep, I guess. Uh, but it's a really good idea. I thought that was a good thing that I read during the week. I Basically, uh, I go through all the news of Porsche. I always like to keep up with the news of Porsche. Porsche. Uh, so you guys know how you do that. You just search Porsche and you look at the news heading in uh, Google and it gives you all the the latest news. Uh, of course, you can narrow the search down, you can do a Porsche 911 or you can do Porsche Taycan or you can do Porsche... Whatever you want to say, and the news articles will come up that have um, been discussed during the last few hours, uh, the last week, etc. Uh, what else? Uh, the other thing that came out during the week, and I don't know what you guys think, uh, the 9-11 Targa 4S Heritage. The 9-11 Targa 4S Heritage. Look, I'm really not sure about this one. I'm not sure whether I like it or I dislike it. Um, it's, I think the color that they launched it in, that, Special Red. I don't know what they call it. I'm trying to find it now online. So, you know, Porsche's new retro-inspired 911 Targa 4S Heritage Edition channels its racing heyday is is an article on Rob Report. (coughs) So it's another sort of exclusive version. Um, The Targa was launched. The Targa was uh, the the press release for the Targa was a few weeks ago for the new 992 Targa. uh, Set to go on sale with the 992 generation Targa 4S is the Is this basically inspired by the racing success of Porsche during the 50s and 60s? It has similar decals to the 991.2 Speedster, where it has the number, racing number on the side. It has the white Porsche decal. It has the white circle with the number in the center. It has, it doesn't have the painted front as per the Speedster. It has white decal from the top of the headlight on the top of the front fenders to the uh, windscreen A-pillar. It's got gold accents, um, gold accents. It's got corduroy type seats. Uh, the one that was spec was in this burgundy color, a red color. It's got a special color I can't think of it, and I think it's a color that was introduced just for uh, this Heritage Edition. It's called Cherry Red Metallic. I really don't like it. I don't think it looks very good. I, I just don't like the color. I don't know. It's also got a red, uh, red and half red, half sort of beige dash red steering wheel. Uh, you know uh, corduroy insert seats and then it's got gold badging on the back I mean these sort of examples these sort of additions worry me a little bit because if I was a speedster owner and I know it's just a decal I know it's not a speedster but if I was a speedster owner I'd be a little bit annoyed I'd be a little bit pissed about it Um, because it is it is kind of playing on the speedster and the speedster was was still such a limited edition and, and quite expensive and I'm guessing the Targa is not going to be cheap either in this in this configuration. Actually, it's not that expensive, 181,000 US. I'm not sure of the other prices. Um, but it's a Heritage Edition. If you remember, in the Speedster, they had the Heritage Pack or Heritage thing with the which had the painted front uh, on the GT Silver, the white painted front, the number, the race number in white with the sorry, the race circle in white with the number. And then inside, it had the tan seats. You know, the heritage editions, I think it's a good concept. If they do it on every model, then maybe it gets a little bit too watered down. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys think about it, but I think maybe it's (sighs) oversaturation. Oversaturation is what I'm trying to think about. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Maybe when I see one in real life, maybe when I see one that's not in this cherry red color uh, and I see it in another color, you know. But, but that, was, that was launched in the week. It's all over Instagram. If you have a look on Instagram, you'll see it. Uh, it's all over the internet, basically. So that's it's not a new model, but it's a new package of a new model, a new model being the Targa 992 Targa and the package being the Heritage, Heritage package. So that was another one. Oh, the other thing I want to talk about is, uh, I don't know whether you guys have seen it already, is that Porsche also have an app, going back to Porsche's technology and, and digital department, Uh, They also have an AR visualizer app. Uh, As you know, most phones now, most modern phones, especially iPhone, the new iPhones, uh, are all set up for augmented reality. Uh, And the AR visualizer, very similar to what you get with uh, IKEA and other sort of stores where you can see the furniture in your house, you can see your dream Porsche in your driveway. Uh, it's It's called the Porsche AR visualizer app. It's on iOS, it's on Android. And basically, you uh, you can pick the car and you can see it in your driveway, how it would look if that helps you make your decision, which I'm guessing some people, they Porsche, think that that will help people make their decision. Uh, I read an article about it. It doesn't really say that much. Uh, what does it say? Basically, it offers every model in the Porsche lineup, along with interior and exterior options, Uh, It offers insights into the technology and engineering contained within the the vehicle. You will not be hounded by local dealers like some other uh, car manufacturer apps. Uh, It's basically just a resource for finding out about your new Porsche and... That's about it. But basically, you can see your dream car in the driveway. Uh, everyone that's familiar with AR, augmented reality, you just the car will just pop up and it will be there in the color you choose and you can see it. Uh, still pretty cool. Still good that uh, Porsche is doing these kind of digital launches, these digital um, activations, these digital sort of promotions for customers. Uh, I do like the idea of the previous one, though, the Track cure. Track your Porsche, I think that's a great one where you can actually order a new 911, and you can follow the whole process. Because uh, let's be honest, people like to do that. Uh, you see people on the forums where they track, they get their order number and they can see the ship wherever it is and they can track the the process, the progress of the ship on the water to where it's coming from when they've ordered in a, in, in Germany to where it's coming to America or UK or whatever. Some people like to go and pick up their car. You know, you can still go and do that European delivery with some countries. I think US and UK, you can do European delivery. So you can go to the Porsche factory and you can pick up your car from the Porsche factory. Uh, That's a really cool thing to do as well. That would be great to do. I have to say one thing I am going to do, which I, I haven't done yet. And I was going to do it. And then I got caught up doing something else for work. I'm definitely going to go to the Porsche factory in Stuttgart. Uh, and I'm going to go there when it's not during holiday period, which is August, and because you can do the factory tour. I emailed them. So if you don't go during August, you can do the factory tour. Uh, you can't take photos or film during in the factory, but they do a tour of the factory. Uh, so you go to Stuttgart, you go to the Porsche factory. When you're there, you may as well go to the Mercedes-Benz one as well. And if you've got some extra cash to spare, you can get a Porsche. You can pick it up from... The factory in Stuttgart and you can hire it for one day, two days, three days and you can drive the roads around the Porsche factory uh, and that's available through Porsche where you can rent the cars. Uh, You have to book them quite well in advance though because I noticed when I was looking that the ones you want to buy, the ones you want to buy, the ones you want to rent are not always readily available. Of course you can go to just normal rental companies in In Europe, I think Hertz and people like that, I think they actually lease or rent out uh, 911s. But the fact that you get one from Porsche, you pick it up from the factory, and then you go for a drive, you know. You can do the factory tour, you can do the museum tour, Porsche museum tour, and then you take the 911 from the doorstep and drive around the roads of Germany onto the Autobahn. That would be very, very cool. Uh, So that's another thing that's on my list to do, and I <clears throat> I know some of you guys have done it already, uh, but it's a great thing to do. Okay, so I kind of got distracted there a little bit, but let's keep moving on. What next? Oh, that's right. I thought I should just do a bit of a shout-out. Uh, <clears throat> we don't talk at, as much as we used to anymore, but I just want to do a shout-out to James at Auto Amateur. Auto Amateur, just do a search for his name. He's got a YouTube channel. Uh, he's bought a 996. Um I have to admit, I watched uh, the video from James the other day. Uh, it's probably not the one I would buy. I would buy something that actually could be driven. He's bought a 996. Uh, it looked okay on the truck, but it looks like it's they've got a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, and I guess that's great when you call it Project 996 so you can work on it. And uh, I don't know how much it's going to cost, James, if you're listening, but that's uh, that looks like a lot of work, especially when the car doesn't start and it's got a broken transmission and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, looking forward to the videos, though. If you haven't checked that out, uh, go over to Auto Amateur's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Project 996. I know. Yeah, I think if you do a search for Project 996, it's going to come up with a lot of other people's channels because other people also call it that. So basically, just search for James at Auto Amateur, Auto Amateur and check out his video. That's, um, the car's just been delivered and the project is just starting. So that's something really interesting, too, to keep an eye out. Uh, James and I, uh, James had a 997. He's actually basically owned a 996, a 997, and then a 991. And now he's still got his 991.1 Carrera. And now he's purchased this uh, 996 with two other guys, uh, I think in his neighborhood, two other friends. And they're going to fix it up, uh, which is going to be a good project. It is going to be a good project. So take a look at that. Uh, So what else? You know, like the problem with being uh, a Porsche fanatic The problem with loving Porsche uh, and having the ability, I guess, to to buy one if you wanted to buy another one is that you just keep searching and searching and searching and thinking, what can I get next? What can I get next? And I know you guys have listened to me talk about this on a few podcasts. I still like the idea of a 996. For those of you who hated that 996 green uh, cabriolet that I showed in my last podcast, It sold, and then I was reading on a forum somewhere that someone said that was a really great example of a 996 Cabriolet in green in manual, which is what I was trying to tell you guys, and and I got so many, I got a few comments from you saying, that is not right, that 996 Cabriolet, why are you looking at that? Maybe I was right, maybe I was right, let's see in years to come, maybe that car is going to be double value, or you know, uh, I would have bought it and I would have actually made it a little bit uh, hotter, a little bit cooler, as I said with foosh and with some, you know, a bit more black detailing, etc. Anyway, that one's uh, gone. That one has gone. So now I'm hooked on Bring a Trailer. Those of you in the US who are listening to this podcast are probably laughing and saying, what, you just you just came on, to you just know about Bring a Trailer now? It's not that I didn't know about it. It's that if you don't live in the USA, uh, Bring a Trailer, I guess, just feels more for the US market. And, I know I have read on uh, forums in Australia, Porsche forums, and I think in the UK as well, where people have bought cars from Bring a Trailer and got the shipping organised and got it sent. Um, what I really like about Bring a Trailer, and maybe this is not a, not maybe this is so obvious to you guys who have been looking at it for years, is that it's a really good format. It's a really good format to read about things about cars that you didn't know, because. One, when they're selling a car, and I'm probably like preaching to the converted here, but you're selling a car, it's got so many images, it's got videos, but the comments, I know some of the comments are probably not, maybe they're not always 100% correct, but you find out so many things to look for. Uh, I've been looking at the 912. I've got this thing about Porsche 912s at the moment, and I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, so I've been looking on classic sites and whatever in in europe and i've been looking at classic car sites in the uk and then i've been looking in sites in australia and then you know i've got on to bring a trailer and there just happened to be one that was that finished yesterday a white one with tan seats which went for forty thousand us dollars which i thought was expensive but then looking at prices in europe they are a lot more than that so maybe bring a trailer is still the best place to buy one but there's some, you know, there's some good ones come up. There's a couple of really good auctions at the moment. So I just watch the auctions. Uh, I'm not beating at the moment and I read the comments and I follow the auction and, and I finally get, I'm actually finding it quite interesting and I get the email into my inbox and I can see, you know, I've chosen Porsches and new Porsches come up and then I click on them and, you know, a couple came up last night and I've looked at those as well. And, uh, but yeah, I liked, I like following the comments, especially on the white one, like because they go through so much and then people ask as you know people ask for other photos and then they put them up. So it's uh, I think it's a good way to learn about a model that you're not so sure about. I don't know much about a 912. I don't know much about those early 911s, you know, the 60s 60 to 70 odd 911s. I don't know much about them. You know, the 912, I saw one for sale in Europe today in the Netherlands and it's in that beautiful green color, and it's a 65 model 912, and it has the three dials, not the five dials, and it's the painted dial, which is apparently really, really rare, and it was only on the 65 model, and I'm thinking, man, I really like that. I know the other, the other dash is, is basically the same as a 911 dash, but this, um, this painted dial, three, I think it's yeah three dial painted, and it was in the green, so the background is green, It looks – I really like it. It looks really, really, really cool and so classic. Like it looks – it makes it look so much older than the uh, non-painted ones actually. So that's something I learned. You know, And I learned that only purely by uh, going on to classic car sites today. I didn't learn that from Bring a Trailer, but I learned that from going on to classic car sites. So I'm a bit hooked on Air Cooled again. Sorry about that. That was my email coming in. I'm very hooked on – there you go. As I'm talking, I get another – uh, email from Ringer trailer maybe i'll have to adjust those settings because i seem to be getting a lot of emails from them um but i'm looking at air cooled again i don't know i like the idea i'm trying to work out the perfect uh, second car to accompany the 997 and i'm thinking maybe it should be an air cooled i haven't gone off the gt3 don't think i've gone off getting a gt3 i'm just thinking about an air cooled car an early car i do really like the idea of 912 of a, a porsche 912 that's why I signed up to bring a trailer. Uh, it's good to see the, the values. It's good to watch the values. Uh, you can actually, you know, I'm sure you could get it shipped to Australia. The thing with Australia, with um, people are probably saying, why would you, how can you buy a 911 uh, from 912 from the US when it's left hand drive? Uh, when cars are over 30 years old, I think it is. I mean, I could be wrong with this. When they're over thirty years old, uh, you don't have to change the left-hand drive over to uh, right-hand drive. Um, in Australia, obviously, if you're a member of Porsche Club, which I'm a member of Porsche Club New South Wales, uh, you get a you can get heritage plates. Uh, you can register your car under heritage plates, probably similar to other countries in the world, where you get you know cheaper registration. Uh, but it has the heritage plates on it. And I think when it's on the heritage plates, it doesn't have to be, it can be left-hand drive. You don't have to change it over. Obviously, you still have to drive on Australia, which is right-hand drive, but uh, it's you can keep it as left-hand drive. Uh, if you buy a car, though, if, if, for example, a 912 came up and say I couldn't resist, uh, if it's under 60,000 Australian dollars, uh, if a car comes up and it's under 60,000 Australian dollars, which includes the shipping cost as well, I think, you don't pay any duty, when it comes into Australia, but you do pay 10% uh, goods and services tax, so 10% what they call GST. Um, But if it's over 60000 I think you have to pay 3% import duty and then 10% GST. Not many 912s come up for sale in Australia. Uh, Paddington Outlaw, who used to own Magnus Walker's Carrera Turbo, Black Carrera Turbo, he has a 912. I think he originally had an orange one. If you search for him on um, Instagram, Paddington Outlaw. Um, I don't know him, but he had an orange 912 and then now he's got a black 912 with a Polo engine that he got brought over from the States. He had it fixed up in the States and then it was brought it over. I haven't seen the car, but the car is in Sydney, um, but I haven't actually seen the car on the road. But I don't really know. I mean, there's lots of 912 sites to go to and there's lots of 912 forums, 912 registry. Um, for those of you who don't know, the 912 was a Basically the same as the 911, except it was a four-cylinder engine, to my knowledge. That's a simple way of putting it. Uh, It wasn't a six-cylinder, so it was a smaller engine. It was a cheaper version of the 911, uh, so they would not lose buyers from the 356 when they went from 356 to 911 and the price jumped up, as far as I understand. Uh, But it was, yeah, a cheaper version. Uh, The Porsche 356 was terminated in 1965, and that's when the 911, uh, the 912, uh, 912 was launched what else but the 912 i I like the idea of the 912 and i'm probably a little bit late to the boat again because i know prices are rising very very quickly uh i think they only porsche only manufactured about 30,000 912 models between 65 and 69 Uh, it could have been a little bit more 30,000 odd models i think that was was produced uh, which is not that many when you think so it's quite a rare quite a rare car you know sports car four-cylinder boxer engine um so that's that's what I've been looking at. I have also been looking at impact bumper 911s. Like I said, I don't know much about them. I read somewhere that someone said a 74 is no good or something. I, I don't really know a lot about them. So I shouldn't probably talk about them in this podcast. Um, tell me in the comments if you like, but um, the 911 with the bumper, the G model uh, produced from 73 to 89 obviously went through a few body changes, slight body changes. Uh, bumper bumper version Impact bumper version Because it has those Bellow style bumpers You know To To uh, Get past the US Crash testing requirements I think it was Something like that um, But I like the idea Of the 912 more I don't know why There is one for sale In Australia uh, It's in sand beige With sand beige interior uh, I did see that Come up for sale um, It's Nice uh, It's not cheap But um, it's difficult. If I was in Sydney, if I was in Australia, I might I might have flown down to Victoria and looked at it. I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. But here I'm saying, bring a trailer. You don't get to see it all, but you get so many images, and you get so much feedback, and you get people saying, you know, that bonnet doesn't look right, and that wheel looks like it's too close to the wheel arch. All those things. I kind of I th- kind of think that's what bring a trailer it works so well because it makes that buying experience a lot easier because you're getting you're getting not you, just your friend's opinion, you're getting so many friends' opinions, so many people that follow Porsche's opinion. And people have had 912s before or air-cooled 911s before and can see issues in images that I wouldn't be able to see even if I saw the car in real life. And of course, when you buy a Porsche, no matter what year it is, you should always get an inspection. Uh, I guess the classic cars, you have to find the right person to inspect the car that knows about the car, Uh, When I bought my 997, of course, I got House Hamilton in Sydney to do a pre-purchase inspection. Um, And they went through the car over about three hours and checked everything over. Um, So it gives you peace of mind. Uh, It's worth the few hundred dollars that you pay to get it done. Uh, I would get it done on every Porsche that I buy. I would still get a pre-purchase inspection. Uh, Like I said, I did notice on Beverly Hills Car Club as well, because that was the other side I was looking at, Beverly Hills Car Club. Uh, who have a lot of uh, old cars for sale. They have a lot of Porsches and they have nine twelve. some in project-ready condition, so no engine, etc., or, you know, basic, like, patina and and needs a lot of work, to ones that have been done up uh, quite a lot more. I noticed they will... um, They don't have as much information as Brigger Trailer. I'm guessing if you contacted them, they would give you all the information on the car. Uh, They they will also assist you with... uh, delivery into Australia, international shipping, or wherever in the world you may be. I did notice that someone who's got a 911 Targa for sale in Australia at the moment, I noticed that they had purchased it from Beverly Hills Car Club. I also noticed on a video I was watching on YouTube at some 912 repair place in UK, a lot of the cars had Beverly Hills Car Club uh, stickers on them. So I'm guessing it's, uh, I think their website said actually they send 90% of their sales are in uh, Europe. But yeah, that's, about, that's what I've been looking at this week. That's pretty much all the stuff that I've been uh, concentrating on on the Porsche world. Uh, like I said, a bit of news, a bit of personal sort of uh, enjoyment by looking at vintage uh, air-cooled 911s. And I did read the other article too that Porsche has uh, started up again. Their factory started up, so they're producing cars again. I think a lot of the companies that closed down. Even watch companies like Rolex have all started up again. Um, as we know, <coughs> coronavirus is not completely <sighs> eradicated, is, is the word to use, is it eradicated? It's still there. It's still a threat to our economy. It's still a threat to everybody. Um, but I guess the world has to move on. And manufacturers, car manufacturers, be it car manufacturers or watch manufacturers or service industries, uh, I guess people have to start up, uh, which is pretty scary because, you know, the world is it's still a pretty scary thing. Um, but that's about it in the Porsche world. I just thought I'd do this podcast today. I'd do a little bit different. Uh, if you like these kind of updates where I go through uh, Porsche news, let me know. Uh, any ideas for uh, my next podcast? Send me a message. Uh, you can send me a message, direct message from my Porsche Cooled Instagram. I meant to say that I do have Porsche Porsche Cooled on Instagram. One word. If you search it, it's there. Uh, give it a follow if you like it. Uh, lots of great Porsche images on Porsche Cooled. Uh, and my YouTube channel, like I said, uh, those of you who like to listen to this on, U- on YouTube will be listening to it on YouTube now. Uh, sometimes I add images to the YouTube, YouTube upload. Other times I just do audio. This one today, because I'm a bit late and I'm a bit pushed for time, this one's going to be just an audio-only uh, version on YouTube. So if you prefer to listen to it on YouTube, uh, you can do that. Otherwise, like I said, on all the podcast uh, platforms mainly Apple and Spotify and all the rest of it. And that noise in the background is my computer with my mails coming in, so I apologize for that. This is the Porsche Cool Podcast. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. My name's Michael Bath, and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now.